pitch to the Center Circle Studio. Tim Van Horn goes studs up into the soccer world where no one is safe. 18-yard boxes wall-free. This is my three subs podcast, a soccer odyssey with your manager, Tim Van Horn. Well, it looks like they know when they want to Who am we kidding? We don't know when they're going to play yet. Although some leagues are starting to throw some dates around, and it might be interesting to know that some are sooner rather than later. Yeah, that's exciting news because it's been too long, Tim. It's been so long. It's been so long. On top of that, we've also got a little bit of transfer news for you, too. Mm-hmm. One bad man might turn out to be a blue man. No, hurting my heart, Tim. Stop. Socially distant hugs to you, Thank my you. friend. Thank you. Coming coming up, we've got a man who's on the move. Terrific college career, terrific coaching career at the college level, and he's with Memphis 901 FC. We're talking about assistant head coach Ben Pierman. Hail Caesar. He's coming up next. Brody and I are in the hallway with our shin guards, but unfortunately, nowhere to go. We're standing here six feet apart. This is my three subs. We'll be back with today's kickoff from the Center Circle Studios. This is My Three Subs, a soccer odyssey. This podcast is now powered by Podcave, the complete toolkit for podcasters. But we want all of our time going into making the podcast as entertaining and as interesting as possible for you. So that's why we ditched our old services and actually made the switch to Podcave. Yeah, combining all the tools that we need to make the best shows we can to make them available on all the platforms you use and to always stay connected with you. Now, Podcave provides unlimited audio storage for all of our episodes, new and old. They're always available whenever you want them. Our website, by the way, it's included built in to Podcave. So you can, you know, find us on one place. It's really that easy. And by the way, I know that there's a hang up. Music and soundscapes that we use on the show, mm. well, they're professionally made and fully licensed by Podcave. So you don't have to worry about finding them, nor do you have to worry about getting sued for using music without their permission. That's such a big deal. We get an email, by the way, and text engagement tools to stay in touch with you. Guest booking tools, episode planning tools. Podcave even includes customizable news feeds so that we can stay on top of the latest headlines which is a huge time saver we used to have to piecemeal all this stuff it cost hundreds of dollars every month and we had to have all these different accounts with different passwords and different windows it was a mess to say the least it was a mess Podcave put all that together one spot and it only costs 49 bucks a month hosting and distribution a killer website episode planning everything we need 49 bucks a month tim Save time and money with Podcave. Try it free for one month. Go to podcave.com slash my three subs and get a month on us. That's podcave.com slash my three subs. This is my three subs, a soccer odyssey. We're underway from the Center Circle Studios. We're thrilled to have with us on the podcast today the assistant coach for USL Championship side, Memphis 901 FC. Ben Pearman joins us today, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, Ben. Welcome for having me. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, we're on audio only today, but I have to say, if we were to have a best hair contest, you probably would win this one hands down today. I don't know if your wife is a barber (laughs) on the side or whatever, but uh, you, you actually showed up like you cared today. And I appreciate that. 
you know, this is I uh, I prepared for this like this was a, a formal gala. Like I, I really I did the best I could, but you can only you can only put so much lipstick on a pig. Right? <laughs> well, I look like a painted turd, so you're all good, buddy. There you go. All right, so let, let's just jump into this. Of course, we're all just chomping at the bit, ready for the season to begin. But let's just take a little time, slow down, and let's talk to let's talk to Ben today, Brody. Uh, just about Ben. Ben, for you, I know this has been a great life at soccer for you, and and you still have many chapters to write. But where did it all begin for you? Where'd your love of soccer start? Oh, I mean, my if I uh, you know my my father was a professional soccer coach. Um, and he kind of more or less started youth soccer in Michigan back in the early mid seventies. Um, so w- when, when he came to Michigan, he got what is now their, their youth league and the ODP and stuff like that going. He coached high school. He, he coached in the college. So I, I kind of knew I, it, it really wasn't a choice. I was just in it from when I was walking. Um, you know, my dad would tell me stories. I'd be running up and down sidelines when he would be coaching teams and whatnot. So, and I kind of be, to be honest, I kind of knew I wanted, I wasn't a, a very great player. So I kind of knew I wanted to get into coaching, um, you know, when I was in college. So it's, it's kind of been, been inside of me for a while. Hi, now you played in college though, right? I mean, you, you played like mid, you played a midfielder in, in college, right? Yeah, I played at Michigan State. We had a lot of very good teams. My my senior season, we uh, I want to say we were top three or four in the country. We had two or three guys from that that class go go pro, whether it was MLS or USL or NASL at the time. So, you know, we I I would say I was a, a above average player on those teams. I was a fine college player, but definitely uh, you know knew knew in in my college time that I wanted to get into coaching. Um, you know, my senior year, I suffered two groin surgeries. Um, so I redshirted and I just, I, I asked the coaches and back and I said, let me do anything I can. Let me, I would watch film on the opposing team and prepare the the scout team. I would do whatever they would allow me. Um, well, apparently you did it just fine. Well, no, I had (laughs) our, our coach, my coaches in college were, were great men. Um, Joe Baum, our head coach and Renzing that who's now the head coach and taking him to, you know, one of the top five programs in the country. So, you know, it was, I learned a lot. I was, I was really excited to be able to, to have those opportunities. They, they trusted me with some stuff. So it's worked out well. Um, And obviously I'm really excited to be here in Memphis. I want to just wind the clock back, but not too far back to picking Michigan state. Why did you pick Michigan state? And then, and go back to what you were just talking about regarding you know, watching the video and knowing that you wanted to coach. Was there a time when you were playing college ball, were you still dreaming of being a professional at that time or was your eyes always on the sideline? Um, you know, I think any 17, 18 year old kid going to a, a relatively high level college soccer team has aspirations to be a professional. Um, you know, I started three something years, um, but look, the writing was on the wall. Like I looked at guys around me and you see some high level freshmen, sophomores coming in who were way better than I was. So, you know, at first everybody thinks they want to be a pro. Then when I got into it, I, I did all my coaching badges while I was in college. I actually, uh, like I mentioned, I redshirted my senior year. So my fifth year, 
I did a master's in kinesiology with, with the concentration and coaching. So I kind of knew then, um, you know, that it was, that that was what I wanted to do. And what led me to Michigan state was, you know, I, I actually told my wife this story the other night, she played soccer at Michigan state. We got married in the soccer stadium at Michigan state. So <laughs> yeah. So we're both, we're both Spartans. We bleed green. Um, I was about to ask, like, is the level of hatred for university of Michigan, uh, still there? Like you still want to slay the yeah, Wolverine? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. And it's, you know what? It's, you know, I, I watched him play U of M on big 10 network. Um, and, and we lost unfortunately this year, but it's also like basketball and football. And I <laughs> it's don't everything. really, yeah. I don't follow American football at all, oh, but really? I want I want the Spartans to win that game like <laughs> more than anything because it's right. such a big deal in the college realm. But you know, I, I t- to be fair, when I was in high school, I, I visited Michigan, I visited Notre Dame, and in Michigan State, and just you know the the what separates Michigan State from everything else is just the people that are there. Um, and to be really candid in the last few years, there's been a lot of negativity around the university and it's, I think what has helped that university bounce back so well are the people and that when myself and my parents got on the campus, we just, we were comfortable with it, obviously had a great experience and, you know, I wouldn't be here today talking to you guys if it weren't for them. So, you know, obviously I'm, I'm appreciative. You talked about going for your coaching badges in, in your college. How far up the rung did you get in that redshirt year when you were going for your badges? What, what, what kind of time, what kind of investment, and how far were you at that point even before you graduated college? I think I did my national C license when I was a junior, in between my junior and senior year, which is when I got hurt. Um, and then right, like literally right when I finished playing at Michigan State, the next uh, in December, the next January, a month later, I went out to LA and did my B license. I didn't do anything else until um, 2018. I did my senior A, which was awesome for me. I loved it. I had an unbelievable instructor, a great group of, of colleagues, I, you know, like, um, you know, I want to say there was five or six coaches that are in USL right now that drop some names drop them um you know kano smith he's the assistant at at birmingham legion um jimmy nielsen who was the head coach of hartford last year and then we also had some mls coaches like steve ralston davey arnault who's obviously you know as big a name as there is um you know so we had we had a lot of really good people um you know and actually one of the connections um there was a guy named miles joseph who was the top assistant in orlando city at the time who was working with coach um uh, mulch. So, you know, the, 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 I learned a lot, obviously made good connections, but I did that in, in 2018. Um, you know, my, my last year with, with, uh, Michigan state and Detroit city back up, up in the Midwest. With this whole process was the idea that you would like basically take up with your dad and maybe coach the youth movement or something like that. Or, I mean, was the eventual coaching path that you were kind of hoping to lay out was it more professional like you like you've kind of fallen into because i mean you went right into michigan state coaching at michigan state assistant coach but still enough i mean it's big deal you know what i mean yeah i i I mean i think when i you know i i was at michigan state as a player for five years and then you know you, you see these teams like when when i 
finished playing at Michigan State, I was an assistant coach at Western Michigan University for two years, and we played Akron, you know, half a dozen times in my two years there. And they Go were zips. Sorry, my yeah. Right I mean, that, to, to be honest, <laughs> Caleb Porter, who was their head coach, he had them as probably the best college team that's ever existed. I, I mean, they were just they were tremendous, and, and and I just craved it, and I wanted to be around it. Um, I, I ended up after two seasons moving to Michigan State. One thing that really kind of changed my mind from college to professional was I, I was the head coach of a club called Detroit City Football Club for six years. Um, it's a it's it's a professional team now in the in the NISA. Um, they do a great job. Unbelievable friends and, and owners and in and, and people that I worked with there. Um, but at the time, it was a, a NPSL kind of summer team. But but if you know a little bit about the club, it was a massive club, like six, seven, eight thousand fans a game. Nice. You know, USL, NASL, these leagues really wanted them in there. But Detroit City, they do their own thing. They they they're very independent. They run anything and everything from their club um they're more about being a club in the community than a, than a franchise mm-hmm. um but but i got i was coaching them for six years we had a lot of success and and i started craving just football mm-hmm. you know and then I, like i said obviously i love michigan state i agree bleed green but you know in college athletics you have a lot of other things going on especially as an assistant coach outside of coaching football and and I, my, one of my best friends is Damon Renzing, the head coach of Michigan State currently. And I told him, I said, look, I'm not going to leave to go be a head coach of a different division one college soccer team. I'm not going to leave for, for another college job. I want I'm going to, if I'm going to make a run at this, I want to move on to be a professional soccer coach. And I had some phone calls and interviews and, um, you know, when, when, when Mulch, we got connected through some contacts when he called me first time we ever spoke. I remember this. We talked for two hours and you guys know Mulch. He is, he's, he's energetic. He's passionate. He's very direct, very honest with you. And, and after two hours, I remember hanging up the phone and I called my wife. We were in Louisville for an NCAA game. And I called my wife. I was like, what do you think about Memphis? And she's like, Oh, you think they like you? I was like, maybe, you know, I don't want to get my hopes up, but um, you know, so obviously it worked out, you know, working for, for mulch these past year and a half, him taking a chance on me has been unbelievable. We have a really good camaraderie and in, in cohesion amongst us. And then obviously with director Howard joining, you know, more full time this off season, we've, we really think we've, we've had such an enjoyable camaraderie amongst our staff moving forward. When you first started coaching, you got out of college and compared to what you do now, how difficult was it to coach guys that were just slightly younger than you? And how has that carried on now that you're really helping guys at, you know, when you were at Detroit city and now at Memphis, not one FC who have maybe even their first ever paying job as a professional player. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is a different culture. Um, You know, my first four or five weeks, I was, you know, I ran a lot of the sessions and did a lot of the things, but I was learning and I was learning coach mulch was learning me. I was learning the players. I was learning our opponents, anything and everything. You know, I always kind of say this one thing that jumped out for me is, is just the, 
you know, I, I use this example about equipment. You know, we have a kit man who carries the, you know, he carries all the gear. Whereas in college, you pack your own bags, just things like that, just the professionalism stuff. And it's, and it's just kind of driving toward the common goal that on Saturday nights, what matters is going out as a team, winning games for our city and our community. And, you, you know, in college, it's the same. You want to do it for, for the wins in your campus and your brothers and the team. But those Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, leading up to Saturday night in the professional realm is it's night and day different. The, the way players take care of them. I mean, it's, it's a job. It's they're, they're out there um, putting food on the tables and, and a roof over their houses. And it doesn't mean we don't get along. Doesn't mean we don't have a good laugh and enjoy what we do. I mean, we're doing the, the funnest thing in the world, but every single guy wants to play and every single guy is going to push people out of their way to get on the field and to win games. So for me, that, that level of competition and rivalry and just the accountability, just, it just spurs us to be even, even better. Ben Pierman's the assistant coach at USL Championship side, Memphis 901 FC, joining Brody and me today. And during this shutdown, it's been frustrating for fans, but I would suspect it's been especially frustrating for you and for Mulch and for James Rowling, Tim Howard, because looking back at that first match, yeah, you guys came out gangbusters and were extremely well prepared against what was very easily one of the top three, maybe top four teams in the entire league yeah. in Indy 11. Night night and day looked fantastic. And then all of a sudden we get shut down. You've got to be seething at the mouth to get back out there and like, no, but wait, there's more. I yeah. swear, you know? <laughs> Well, and you know what, uh, you know, I'm sure most people have, uh, have been doing stuff like this. We've been doing a lot of zoom calls and meetings and projects with the players. And, and we've put a lot of focus on the Indy 11 game. We've, we've kind of given little projects for guys to do it. And we've covered it. We, we obviously, honestly, we can't cover it anymore because we've, we've covered every <laughs> single second at this point. of that game, but you know, our players really dove into it. And, and one thing, you know, we played Saturday night when we came back on Monday in the locker room, every single player in that locker room, they were devastated and they were, they were upset. They felt like they let every themselves down, the fans down, everybody. And then when we watched the film and we went over the data analytics and we covered it, we said, look, there was a 15, 20 minute period where we, we couldn't grasp things. Yeah. Other than that, we absolutely smashed yeah. one of the top teams in this league. You're right. and, and if you, you know, you said maybe one of the top three or four teams, you know, to be honest, you know, Nashville's gone and, and Pittsburgh had a complete revamp. Indy were the three, the number three seed, yeah. you know, so, <laughs> so, you know, to me, the way I look at it is, is that, you know, what Martin does up there, they're tremendous. They've got, they've got the backing to, to do big things. We took it to them and look there, I will say this, there's no such thing as a moral victory at all, but <laughs> that was game one of whatever at the time game 34 games. We said, you, you go out like this, you prepare like this. We're only getting better. One of the things that we struggled last year was, was finishing off our chances. We scored two goals in the first 14 minutes. And to be honest, um, we had one of the 
highest expected goal rates in that game. We created so many chances. Um, and we, I just thought we played with passion. We played with desire. We played very, very high intensity, pushed high in the opponent's half. And look, if we're going to lose games to a good team, we're going to do it that way, going after it, making it entertaining for our fans, playing proper football. I mean, we're just, we're going to go. And, and that's that's a little bit of the difference this year is now we're, we're not in year one where we're seeing how things are and how good we are. We know the group we've had got and we know that we're going to lose games and win games but we know that we're going to go for it when we, when we go out there you know i said this uh after the match on saturday i said boy if they keep this up i'm gonna kick myself for paying for this seat because i didn't sit down all that often in the match yeah. there was a lot of chances yeah. there was a lot of chances to to stand up and i'm, I'm a stander i'm a yeller you know that that's just who oh, i yeah. am especially in a match so you probably heard me a lot and probably like hey get that kid to shut down uh but um uh, we need it we love it uh, you know it there was it was really really exciting so yeah i i can only imagine the guys then getting back together once that does happen that that kind of is is re re-energized and i don't don't know how how do you keep that alive through this like that passion i mean obviously excuse me obviously it's faded um the energy from what was that March 7th, you know, it's, it's been forever, almost two months, you know? Um, so whenever we get back on the pitch, it'll be like a new preseason. But now that there's genuine belief of saying, look, these things work. We had a five week preseason. We set up new, new directives, new tactics, new, new, new cultures and philosophies. And they bought in. And there's not a player in this group who is not bought in for this project and who's bought in for, and we talk about it all the time. Like, you know, when you put this Jersey on, it's, it's, we're representing something special. We've got an unbelievable city and community and our, our, our supporters are so passionate. Um, you know, so that to me, we'll, we'll hit the ground running. Obviously it's going to be like another preseason, but you're right. There's so much there to build off of and to continue to push forward for not just the next game and the next series of the games, but hopefully for a long, long time to come. How are the guys doing, generally speaking, through all of this? Because we here we are. This year was different than last year because at least half of the the preseason was not even in Memphis. So you have a lot of new guys that come in. Then you have one game where they're just barely, I guess, getting settled into their accommodations. And then, boom, they're on lockdown. And you have some guys that have come from overseas. So, you know, how have those guys been? And, and you know, have you been kind of the, you know, the psychologist on the team or, you know, the bartender, so to speak, to, you know, kind of help these guys get through this tough time? Yeah, I mean, look, it's all relative. Um, I, I, I would be lying if, if, if I didn't say people aren't frustrated and, and just – just wanting to get back out on the pitch but we also have to be honest like we we don't have it as bad as is some other people so we've had those reminders with players they have been so, so positive they've been great um we've done you know just like most of the world we've done some zoom calls to stay active we've done groups projects so they're interacting um you know there's there's players that go out and do workouts um, you know, I know they're doing it socially distanced from each other, but they're doing workouts and runs and bike rides and, and they're getting after it. Um, hey, on those you know, Zoom calls, coach, uh, on those Zoom calls, who did you have to remind to put pants on? Myself. Okay. 
Right. Yeah, I was. So one thing we ha- I'll tell you a quick little story. So we we do these Zoom calls and we're doing video analysis and I bring up the game on my computer. So I just assumed that when I bring the game up on my computer, they could no longer see me. And I'm my wife made me like a bagel. I'm eating and drinking my orange juice. And they're like, hey, coach, can you dial it down for less than Paul was giving me so much grief. And I, he's just he is genuinely the nicest guy I've ever met. And he he was ripping me. So. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm usually the issue, but again, to to carry on with that, our guys have been great. They they they're really engaging. You've we've actually seen some personalities come out of these calls. Um, they've worked on these these uh, projects with each other, so they're building relationships. They're staying positive, but just just like everybody else, they they want to be back out. They want to play. They want to compete. Um, you know, we know there's there's guidelines and whatnot going on, but we're uh, we'll we'll be eager to get back out there. I promise you that. Given the small sample size of the season, Ben, are you even able to really talk tactics with these guys right now? Yeah, we we just we continue to push things. Um, you know, one thing that one thing that we've 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 done is try to build on our basis. So, you know, we have a good foundation. We want them to take a little bit more ownership versus myself or mulch kind of lecturing the team on how things get done. But yeah, there, there is also, we're going to have to have a ton of review, uh, a little preseason or whatnot when we get back at it. But, um, it's, look, it's, it's a weird uncharted time, but we're not the only one in it. You know, North Carolina FC and the battery and in Chicago fire and Maine, united everybody's in it um you know so we're just we're trying to stay as positive as as we can and and just continue to push forward because we'll be ready when that preseason hits back i I, mulch brought up a fact that it might be a couple week preseason and this that and the other is the preseason the same mentality as the preseason before where let's you know let's go somewhere all secluded like uh, amongst ourselves and preseason it up and then get back to the pitch or are we doing that here or has there been a discussion about that yet um you know i think everything's open i think i I would imagine that we would be in memphis um but again that those we we don't know i don't Mm. think anybody really knows what the future holds um but i would imagine we would be training here in memphis and in 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 doing our preparations here for whatever the the first match back is And, and it could be you know, they've talked about potentially, you know, you, you look in Europe, they've started their training with small groups. Right. So could it be small groups? Could it be break them into three groups and we do three sessions a day? I, I don't think anybody knows. Um, excuse me. I think I think as we just move forward, we just prepare ourselves the best we can and, and we'll be ready. Uh, we've yeah. got a tremendous staff from from our owner and president and directors on down to, to anybody and everybody who's involved. How many chores have you been able to knock out that you had been kind of having stack up at the house? Um, I am about the worst handyman person ever. Um, with that being said, we've knocked some stuff out. We hung up some lights. We yeah. fixed some stuff. We uh, we had this. Uh, we you know we bought a house last year, so we're still fixing some some stuff up with the paint and whatnot. I've uh, spent a lot of time with my dog, where she's probably bugging that I'm that I'm bugging her all the time but no it's it's been good we've we've been trying we've been trying to keep like little to-do lists and I've been reading more but um 
you know, I'm, it's probably just like everybody else. There's, there's things to do and, and, and it's, it's, you kind of rack your head around just getting some stuff done as much as possible. Well, if I may, those are the cleanest blinds I've ever seen. Yeah, no joke. So, so you, you keep a clean house, Coach. I, I appreciate it. I, I'm uh, I'm in the the sectioned off room while my wife's working and working out in the in the common room. Oh goodness gracious! Leave it um, to the realtor to pick out the blinds. He's like, "Hey, right, look at those uh, blinds, baby!" Yeah. yeah, you know that crown molding up there is exceptional, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, are those vaulted so- ceilings? <laughs> Uh, ben Pearman's joining us on the podcast today. He is the assistant coach for USL Championship side, Memphis 901 FC. So I know that there's a lot of question marks of when we can get everybody back in and watching live matches. And it, it's incredible because there's so many variables right now, Ben. I mean, every state is kind of doing their thing on reopening. So we may not know for quite some time. Oh, are we getting a tour? No, sorry, I was grabbing my water. Oh, okay. I thought we were about to get a tour of like all yeah. the Michigan State swag. No, I, I'm, we're we're in a pretty. It's probably more Harry Potter than anything, to be honest. Because uh. I got my Harry Potter glass. What what oh, what uh, what house are you? I'm Slytherin. Oh, me too. What up, yeah. House of Snake? There you go. What up? Yeah, my my wife's a Gryffindor. Oh yeah, yeah. Mine mine is a uh, Ravenclaw. Yeah. So we we get along really well. You know, you may want to have we may we may want to have this segment on Geek Tank Radio, Coach. There is a there's another podcast that Brody is on called Geek Tank Radio with pop culture, science fiction. It's just a bunch of, cool of nerds stuff. that to get together. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm I'm nerdy enough, but I don't know if I'm knowledgeable enough. I I'm, <laughs> if it if it doesn't pertain to our sport, I'm not very useful. <laughs> Can you link soccer and Quidditch? I mean, there's some commonalities, but not not much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you had a striker. That that's about. There you go. A yeah. striker, that kind of thing. Brody, anything else uh, for coach today? Uh, yeah, I got one one final question, and and it pertains to the fans, especially like Memphis 901 FC, where we've been known to have a rowdy fan base there at, at AutoZone Park. Uh, it's kind of like the, the word on the street is that people don't want to come to Memphis to play. That being said, if we were to start back and then the order is fanless games, what does that do for a home match? Yeah, I mean, that's that's tough. I Obviously, the only... There, there are people who make those decisions from the top, and we have to trust and and, and, and hope that their their guidance is uh, is is the best decisions. But you know, it, it would definitely stink for us because we, like you said, we we've got we've got the most tremendous fans in the league. Um, AutoZone Park is is an unbelievable um, venue, and not just location, but culture and in the in the energy and the atmosphere. But look, if if that's what they decide and. and to have no fans then you know you play with no fans some teams have already been playing with no fans so they might be used to it (laughs) we won't we won't mention which teams but yeah no that's (laughs) but you know we're we're we look if if that's what they decide you just have to do it we'll be ready um and look i think as part of it, it it might be a motivation for our guys to say look we're the fans aren't back yet but we are maybe we can play a little bit extra for them um you know you got to find the positives in it you you have to push forward you have to continue to just 
do whatever's best for for our sport and for our city and for our culture. But yeah, there's there's no doubt that we 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 would love to have our our supporters there. And then you just pray that the TV crew is good. They had some hack in the booth for the first game. They need to step that up for the rest of the season. Now the TV crew, the TV crew gets an A plus. <laughs> I don't remember who that was, but yeah, they were pretty good. Hey, Coach, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, stay safe. We really appreciate you sharing your time and and talking a bit, even going back to the Detroit City days. I know that was a special time. Which, by the, by the way, do you see Memphis and Detroit kind of similar in their fan base and just kind of the work ethic here? You know what? One thing, big picture, since I've moved down here, the city of Memphis is very similar to the city of Detroit. Um, similar populations, similar um, kind of vast, broad geographical areas, very, very diverse, honest, hardworking people. Um, and to be honest, have a little bit of chip on their shoulder. And, you know, now you put that to, to, to their soccer teams. Um, you know, I think both of the, you know, when I was in Detroit and obviously here, you try to play with that chip. And th- that's what our supporters like to see. And, and, and yeah, the supporters are, um, they're unwavering. You know, and, and that's what that's what supporter culture is. That's what having a professional football club is about. Mm-hmm. It's not about us. It's not about you guys. It's about our supporters. It's about what we can do for our community, our city, the little kids that are watching. And, and you know, through ups and downs, and, and there's a ton of ups coming for our club, uh, our supporters are there. And it doesn't matter if it's a Tuesday night or if it's a Saturday night, 100 degrees or 50 degrees, they're there. And and that's all we, we, we could ask for. We're so appreciative of it, but yeah, you know those, like you said, the the supporters are one of the best parts about this this sport and our our club. Hey Ben, thanks again for joining us. You've been very generous with your time, and you've always been good to Brody and me when we come out to the practices and to the games, treating us as you know as part of the soccer family. So thank you so much for that. We wish you the best of luck. Uh, may you not get on your wife's nerves, and may we see you in person for real very very soon. Well, thank you guys for having me. It's my pleasure, and uh, you know you guys stay safe or next on my three subs a soccer odyssey hey everyone this is tim while soccer is my passion real estate is my business i'm licensed in the state of mississippi and tennessee with cry like realtors my phone number is 901-756-8900 at the office or you can call my cell at 901-262-5000 whether you're looking to buy or sell I can help you with either, and I'm happy to do so even in these difficult times. We're deemed essential, and we can help you make your move. I have a couple of properties available right now, a condo in Midtown at 1960 North Parkway with monthly fees that are included in that. You get everything except cable, but hey, everybody's streaming off the internet now, so do you really need the cable anyway? And I've also got a beautiful 5,100-square-foot home at 1850 Overton Park. It's just a short stroll from the Memphis Zoo, and you guessed it. Overton Park. Give me a call at 901-756-8900 at the Cry Like Realtors office or on my cell at 901-262-5000. And you can check out these properties and find pretty much anything you're looking for at timvanhorn.com. timvanhorn.com. If you're looking to list your house, I can help you get the best price for it and help you make your move. That's at timvanhorn.com. This is my three subs, a soccer odyssey. 
Well, since we can't watch matches, we've been watching our macros. And <laughs> while we've been chomping on healthy stuff and working out, we've been scratching our heads wondering when in the world are these matches going to begin? So what I'm telling you is welcome to this week's episode of Your Guess is As Good as Mine, starring Brody Scott. Da-da, 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 with our host, Tim Van Horn. Da-da, 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 hey, da-da. thanks for joining us, everybody. <laughs> We're live in front of a studio audience so- virtually yeah, speaking. Virtually socially distanced audience. Well, we may be socially distant. We're not emotionally distant. And we thank you for joining us for this episode of My Three Subs. And let's start talking about soccer matches beginning. Yes. Well, well, in parentheses, for some. We're going to tell you about at least one league, if not two, that are not going to be having matches anytime soon. But let's start with the positive. And let's start with the Premier League. They're saying perhaps... Matches may be coming sooner rather than later. Well, that's because UEFA has kind of put their foot down and said, hey, listen, we need a... a definitive answer as to when this is going to happen. The uh, UEFA European Football League has given a May 25th deadline to inform governing body of UEFA of their plans to restart their domestic competitions. And they hope to, I guess, have these done, I guess, by June, right? One one would hope so, if not maybe July, but I think really June 30th is the really main drop dead date because of contracts. Players will be out of contract. Loans will end and players will want to go back to their home clubs. But Premier League is thinking at this point, hey, maybe June 8th is the time and They're now looking to get more and more players into the training ground. I think maybe where they can either be sequestered and or get some better athletic workout facilities. You know, it'll be interesting because, you know, we mentioned last week with FIFA kind of upping the uh, five subs per, you know, match once the games restart a little different, you know, play style and stuff like that. It will be interesting as to what capacity the games do come back um, because I I do think that we're right that they will start back sooner than later because the countries Spain uh, being one of these countries that was hit hard but looking at reopening very very soon yeah, in fact, they just allowed children outdoors after six weeks inside in Spain. So they're starting to see a positive upswing. But speaking about players reporting to training grounds, well, yesterday on or on Monday, whenever you listen to this podcast, but on Monday, Arsenal, Everton and West Ham allowed players to return to the training grounds, but also said they got to abide by social distancing. Meanwhile, as we record this, it looks like Spurs are going to let some of their senior squad onto the training uh, facilities uh, right away. Yeah. So we're looking at more and more clubs. It, it should be. It, I That being said, any day now, like we get the word any day now that, that things are, this is the date. Here we go, gang. It's all downhill from here. You know what I mean? This, this sounds good. Now, that's soon, but let's talk about even sooner because the Bundesliga, well, about a week or so ago, they said as early as May 9th, they would like to get things kicked off as players are back in camp. In fact, we'll have an injury update for you about one of those players coming up in in just a few minutes. But logistically, 
they're saying they need, I think, close to 300 essential workers. That includes players and staff inside and outside of the stadium to hold an Airfingers, quote, empty arena match. We'll see if uh, the German government is all for that. But really, the police union in Germany saying that even matches behind closed doors might attract irresponsible crowds outside stadiums. Right. I think maybe mid to late May might be more reasonable for the Bundesliga, but they're trying to push ahead and get something going there. And a lot of it, in fact, all of it may simply be about TV money, Brody, because oh, if, sure. they're so, if they're so content with having this done behind closed doors, I think we all know while the ambiance comes from the crowd, the money comes from the eyeballs on the TV screen. Yeah, and, and that's why I think that they are so kind of gung-ho with the whole well we could just do it closed doors Uh, to be fair and to be honest even though there's 300 i think we figured it out last week to where there's 300 plus people in the stadium even in a closed door match nobody's really sitting by each other minus your uh maybe your your uh tv hosts or or your play-by-play and and color commentator they might be in 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 closer proximity than say somebody else on uh, you know doing the cameras because they're on either side of the uh, pitch and and whatnot listen i think you can still socially distance even though there are 300 plus people there fine all day you could still get it done yeah let's talk about italy because that's been a fascinating race at the top of syria yeah players are now going to be allowed to start training individually beginning Monday, May the 4th, which is also Star Wars Day. I don't know if that means anything to you, but you know they're (laughs) going to be able to do that. And it looks like, according to Salvador Ila, or Ia, uh, the Spanish health minister, he really has not put down a hardcore time frame of returning, uh, but he did suggest that La Liga will not return before the summer, which would be late June or early July at the latest. And there, therein lies perhaps a problem in regards to player contracts. Who would be available? You know, can you just willy-nilly extend contracts? Is that against a player's union? Uh, there's, you know, there's some different factors that go into that. Also, let's talk about the Dutch First Division. They have summarily shut down play and said there will be no promotion, no relegation, no champion crowned. Essentially, the season is just is a wash. Immediately, immediately a wash. Yeah. Absolutely null and void. So it's almost like they'll hit a reset button come, I guess, August and restart play, although it may be even as late as September, which is what we're hearing from France. France, France. Yeah. The prime minister says, nah, no, there will not be any soccer until at least September. Yeah. In which really, let's be honest, PSG was going to be the champion anyway. But what sure. makes this interesting, Brody, is the little the, the little caveat that there will not be any more matches because PSG and, and I believe Lyon are still involved in the Champions League round of 16 right. matches. I believe I believe we're at round of it's been so long. I think I think there's still round of 16. I don't think we're quite to the round of 8 just yet. But nevertheless, France has two teams that are still involved in the Champions League that cannot compete because of basically the, I guess the national rules. So well, I, if they're not played in in France, if the matches aren't played in France, are are they still governed by France? 
You know what I mean? Like, I, I, you're a private company at that point. So couldn't you make your own rules at that point? Well, if your federation is a national governing body, I, I, I don't know how they don't stay in lockstep. I mean, I guess technically you could maybe stay outside of the country. There's a lawyer somewhere. By just chomping at the bit, waiting to get a hold of this one because there is a loophole somehow, some way that some snaky lawyer is going to find a way that they can compete. Should they be allowed to compete? You know what I mean? Well, here, here's the disappointing thing for the players is because the French Professional League had plans to start June 17th. Mm hmm. And UEFA, though, has set a deadline of August the 2nd for domestic leagues to reach their natural conclusions. But now, with the prime minister saying that, that's a huge problem. A couple of things. Let's talk about Champions League this year, but what about Champions League for next year? Of course, PSG is way up on Marseille, but Marseille is in second, Ren is in third, while Lille would be set to get the Europa League spot. So it's... There's so many different variables there of, you know, who's going to get what spots, what's it based on, what's the merit, what time frame. It's it's basically a deck of cards that's just now been thrown up in the air and now, you know, you know, sorted out as best you can. And that's just the top division, Brody. When we, when we look at the English Football League and the second and third divisions and beyond in other countries, unless they get these matches going, they've got some teams that may have to either fold or go into some sort of a bankruptcy because it's not necessarily the TV money that drives, but rather the gate revenue, the yep. concessions, the uh, pro shop sales, the real physical on-site sales is what drives them, and they could be in a heap of hurt. Do you think that MLS uh, would follow suit if, say, Premier League set a date of you know, the 30th of June? Does MLS go, you know what, June 30th sounds great. I think we're going with that, too. Maybe, but I think it it goes to the United States being 50 different states in that whichever states are out of lockdown mm-hmm. would be okay. But wouldn't you have to have virtually every state that has an MLS club and also in Canada to be open for business? Ready to have business opened up? Because even if you have one... That's not, I mean, what do you do? How, you know, maybe there's a workaround, but unless everybody's ready for business, can you really conduct business? Yeah. And I don't, I don't think you can, you know, force them to forfeit when they don't have the, um, we'll just say ability to get onto a pitch. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, boy, if you're waiting for the one holdout state, uh, you know, and, and at this point you can point fingers. It's going to be New York. It's going to be California. I don't know. But anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, you'd have to wait for that last holdout state in order to, to get going before you gave the green light in MLS and yeah. USL and, and any other league that that's associated. Yeah, very much so. Let's talk about an injury. Some unfortunate news. Zach Steffen's been getting peppered uh, in the Bundesliga. He's been playing in goal for for Frankfurt, and he suffered an injury in training, unfortunately. And it looks like he's going to be sidelined for quite some time. Of course, the U.S. national goalkeeper has been a stalwart in goal for the U.S. And really, the fate 
uh, uh, Frankfurt hasn't been his fault no. for the most part. I mean, you can't you can't blame. Um, and I said Frankfurt. Excuse me. It's it's Dusseldorf. I I I, I get my uh, cities mixed up with Stefan, and I apologize for that. But Zach Stefan's a goalkeeper at Dusseldorf, but it looks like he's going to be out with an MCL sprain. Ooh. He's going to be out four to six weeks. Gosh, could you imagine you're in quarantine for that long? You're getting out. You're in training. You're like, yeah, this is going to be great. And then you injure yourself and MCL spraying at that. Like, um, man, that's tough. That that really is tough. And I think he's going to continue to grow. I think he's he's only like 24 or 25. Yeah, so I think really he's, he'll come back from this. He's a terrific goalkeeper. And... I think he's going to have seen a lot and learned a lot by getting peppered in goal for Dusseldorf. I think that's going to give him some experience and maybe accelerate some of his learning. I, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be just fine in the end, but just really unfortunate because I know he's probably looking so forward to getting back and he wants to position himself for World Cup 2022. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just bad timing. It really does. It's kind of like, oh man, I've got a black cloud over my head and, and because you know uh, there's got to be a little superstition kind of following him al- along with that. Uh, but yeah, th- that's just tough timing. It really is bad. Yeah, and speaking of uh, U.S. and the domestic leagues, you mentioned MLS. Technically, they're suspended through June the 8th, but at this point you would think that maybe that gets bumped back a little bit further and a, and a little bit further. And then uh, on just a little bit of other news, and here's a little bit of positive news. This is, this is always good. I always liked him as a player. Seth Fabregas. Um, he's with Monaco, but he has agreed to a big pay cut uh, to help with the financial crisis caused by the coronavirus outbreak. He's still got a couple of years left on his deal. And according to ESPNFC.com, he has decided on his own to take a 30% monthly pay cut until further notice while also accepting a four-month deferral on what he is going to get paid. And he's also using some of his own money to pay for the loss of earnings of the first team staff who have been furloughed. And, you know, he's been around forever. He's just 32. Jeez. He's younger than me. That hurts. <laughs> I'm, I'm, why in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, no, he's, he's got to be like my age. You know, he's got to be like aging out soon. You know, no, he's 32. He's still got tread on the tires. Get out of here, man. And, and then I guess maybe uh, I, I don't know if you're ready to wrap up, but I've got one other thing that's just kind of funny. Well, uh, I, and I've seen this. We also have transfer news because I I don't think we can. I know it's still in the talk, but it hurts my soul. So go ahead with your news and then we'll talk transfers. You know what? Mine's more of a no no pun intended kicker story. It's a funny one. If you want to knock out some transfer news, you go right ahead. Well, I just I think we need to bring up Obama Yang might be on his way to Chelsea, which hurts my soul uh, if this happens. You know, first you lost Ashley Cole. Yeah. And then you lost Fabregas. And and now maybe losing him. It, it looks like it, it, I I don't want to say it's gonna happen, but Chelsea is putting out uh, William uh, on uh, out on the limb, saying, "Hey, listen, we'll give you William for Aubameyang," and I, they're entertaining the offer, and that to me is just bad news bears when it comes to Arsenal because. Uh, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, I guess we'll know well, more in the coming weeks if it if it actually does you know 
take hold or, or, you know, there's something else thrown into the pot. Money might help. You know, I'm just going to put that out there. We'll take the player and and a, a huge chunk of change so that we can, you know, kind of recoup our losses a little bit. Maybe let us Arsenal lick their wounds. But, you know, for the most part, losing Aubameyang, they, there you go. They, you know, let's call the season null and void. I'm ready to throw in the towel. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I got to tell you, though, I, I do see some improvement in Arsenal. But yeah, losing him as one of the top goal scorers in the league would be not a good thing. Barcelona, of course, their stadium is really a license to print money. Uh, it has been, oh gosh, it's been now 63 years since they have not had a sponsor of the stadium, Camp New, right. which has almost 100,000 seats in it. Well, they don't have a sponsor lined up just yet, but I'll tell you who's not going to be sponsoring them. Multiple sources reporting uh, Barcelona have not been contacted by Mike Tyson's cannabis company with regards to buying the naming rights. Barcelona announced last week they would sell the naming rights to their stadium for the 2020-21 season in an effort to raise money for the fight against the coronavirus pandemic. Mm -hmm. Uh, It has to be serious companies or brands, they said. Tyson's business partner had said, uh, told something uh, to the BBC about a week ago that rebranding the Camp Nou as the Swissex Stadium after the duos, uh, after Mike Tyson's and uh, his business partner's cannabis company would be, quote, an amazing idea. Um, I but uh, Yes, let's do this. Welcome to the soccer club, everybody. This is going to be great. <laughs> uh, I think I maybe even misspoke. They have not had a sponsor in 63 years. Uh, they're not going to break that tradition with Mike Tyson oh, right okay. now, which, which is ridiculous. That's it's ridiculous. This is... <laughs> Wait, was that Sylvester the Cat or did I do Mike Tyson? This is an abomination for my company. I think we're like confusing Mike Mike Tyson with Michael Jackson. We're the champs and Real Madrid's the chumps. (laughs) That's it. Thank you. (laughs) Nailed it. There we go. Now we got it. All right. Nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, Any last bit of business? Uh, No, I I think that's it. I I guess we just got to thank our great sponsors, Podcave. Um for for you know hosting us and everything like that and of course if you want to reach us you can do that by hitting us up on facebook twitter we're at my three subs podcast on instagram we are at my three subs soccer pod on instagram yep on instagram did i say that i didn't i don't know if i said that yeah my three subs soccer pod on instagram and then my three subs podcast on twitter and on facebook and my three subs podcast.com on the web uh you can email us send all your complaints to my three subs podcast at gmail.com and attention to brody and Ah, he'll get to those right away (laughs) hold your breath because he'll get to them quickly (laughs) sure (laughs) anyway uh this has been fun thanks to ben pierman for for joining us on the show today that was fun yeah, thanks to Memphis 901FC for making him available. And, of course, we thank our sponsors. We thank you, the listeners. We continue to get great feedback on that virtual match. Have you heard it yet, by the way? Memphis mm. 901FC versus Las Vegas Lights FC. But we've had some great uh, interviews on either side of that. And Ben was no exception. What, just what a pleasant guy. And, again, I reiterate this, and I think we said this a couple of weeks ago. I think you hit it on the head. It's not a question of if, but when Ben becomes mm-hmm. a, uh, a head coach uh, at this or maybe Maybe the next level. Yeah, he, he's he's such a good guy. And uh, House of Slytherin. I mean, how could he not be a great guy? Even though Slytherin's bad guys, but. <laughs> 
Neither here. Oh gosh, yeah. I think out of, on a scale of one to ten, I think the interview was a nine and three quarters. <laughs> yeah, let's get out of here. All right, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. There's the whistle. Thank you for listening. Check out more My Three Subs podcast, a soccer odyssey at my3subspodcast.com.